Um, I am Rebecca. I am very happy to be with you tonight. Um, very honored to be speaking in this First Fruit series because I remember a time when money was a dangerous topic of conversation in our household. I didn't grow up with a silver spoon. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't born with a million dollars handed over to me, so I know what it's like to build from nothing. I know what it's like to build from actually in the red because that's what happens when you go to college on loans is you start out behind. And I am telling you that I am excited to say that we serve a God that is not only able to redeem things, he is able to recover things. He is able to make miracles happen when it looks like there's absolutely no way that you can make it. So that's why we're here to talk about this because if you haven't gotten the memo, the focus of this of this um, First Fruit series has been that it is God's will for you to prosper. Amen. It is God's will for you to prosper. So I want to bring your attention to, if I go the right direction, or turn it on, Deuteronomy 30, 19. So this is the foundational scripture that Pastor Martin brought up, and it's God talking through Moses to the people. And the first thing he tells them is, I, tell, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. But if I were you, I can hear God say, but if I were you, I would choose life, not just for you, but that both you and your descendants may live. God has put two things in front of us, one amazingly good, one amazingly not so good. And he's saying, it's up to you which one you get. But it's a choice only you can make. Just like when you put Adam in the garden and there was, we don't know how many trees, but there was one tree, he said, don't pick this one. Well, Adam didn't listen to that one, but God's saying again, there's two choices I'm putting in front of you. You get to pick your outcome. You get to choose what's going to happen in your life. Jeremiah 29:11 says, God is saying, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So if you have not gotten the message, it is God's will for you to prosper. But God's will is not automatic. It doesn't just happen. If you are a parent, can you raise your hand? Do you have a will for your child? Not like a legal will, but like there's something you want for your kids. Is it automatically going to happen because you want it for your kids? Who has to participate in those ideas? They do. So just like God has a will for us, he says, I'm thinking of things for you. I thought of a hope. I thought of a future. But I can't make those things happen for you. You have to participate in that will. Pastor taught a sermon a few years ago that, with, I have to admit, when he taught it, I just didn't get it. But like after hearing it over and over and over again, it made sense. On one side, we have God's will for your life. We have every perfect thing that he wants to happen in your life. It's the future. It's the hope. It's dominion. It's everything Jesus came to this earth to bring. And over here, we have reality present-day reality. And the only person who can make that come over here is the one in the middle. 
It's the one sitting in your purple chair right now. You are the only person who can participate in God's will for your life to enable that to come on you. And that includes in your finances. You have to actively participate in the will of God for your finances. Now, I bring this up because the world understands, if you've ever read books about money, you, they'll tell you, here's 16 steps, here's 10 steps, here's some baby steps, here's some big steps, here's a whole bunch of steps. And people read them, and that's what they do out in the world. But in the church, we come over here and we say, oh, I have faith. I'm going to just speak over everything. I'm going to speak over everything. What about the steps? What steps? I don't need no steps. I got faith. Okay. So there's this great guy in the Bible. His name was James. He said some really amazing things. So James 2, verses 18 through, that is really small. Can we please, you can pull my slide down. Can you pull this up? It's James 2, 18 through 24. I'm sorry, it shrunk my text for you. But I want you to see what these verses are saying. So we'll start with verse 18. James 2, verse 18 through 24. And it's just the new King James. It's fine. So starting in verse 18, it says, Show me your faith without your works. And I'll show you my faith by my works. I'll show you what I believe by what I do. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect and the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. But he didn't just believe God, he did something and that something, that act of doing something was proof of the faith. And he was called the friend of God. So you can see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. We have got to pair the spiritual with the natural, the faith with the practical. The question that has been floating around in my mind since this entire series began is what would happen if believers combine faith with financial discipline? What if we didn't just just, what if we didn't just tithe, but we managed 90 other percent of the income effectively? Because what happened if we used faith to practice money management? Because I believe that that book that's in your hand, whether it's in an electronic format or a physical format, that God did not just intend Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Solomon to be wealthy. But if Abraham is the father of our faith, he's the one that we look back on because he was the first one who believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. If he's our example, then it was always God's idea that there be lots of Abrahams, that there would be lots of Isaacs, that there would be lots of Jacobs. But that requires us to actually combine practical and faith. He still wants a nation of kings and priests. He still wants a nation of kings and priests. Now, before we go further, I have to see, you don't even have to put this up. I'm going to get my main points. I know what I need. 
because um, they're too small to read. Before we go further, I need to do some anesthesia because we're going to talk about some very practical, pointed things because we're, we need this. We need this. Number one, you need to forgive yourself for past financial mistakes. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Would anyone who has ever done anything foolish with money please raise your hand? Okay, so everyone, you are in great company. We have all done foolish things with money. Some of them have been little foolish things. Sometimes they have had bigger price tags. But they're still the same level of things we wish that we could go back in a time travel and undo. So we need to let go of that. We need to look ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves for forgiveness because what happens is when you do not do this, it's like you can't move forward. I remember we were in a position in our, in our finances where it just felt like it wasn't going any further and I just kept thinking, man, if I just hadn't quit that job back in college, felt like, you know, like a Napoleon Dynamite if Coach would have put me in. Like, Something, but, but that was literally where it felt. And God was like, Rebecca, you are not where you are because of something you did 10 years ago. You are where you are because of things you do every day. That's why you are where you are. So you have lot, you've got to learn to forgive yourself. Number two, if you are in a financial hardship right now, I want to tell you with authority that there is always a way out. You are not backed into a corner. You are not trapped. You are not stuck. But if you are struggling, the best thing you could do is seek out wise help. Every single person who has money didn't come with it. They had to learn how to manage. They had to learn certain things. And if you've never been in the position that you're in, don't tell yourself, well, I should know how to do this. How? from the classes they didn't teach you in high school, right. <laughs> from the conversations we may or may not have had with our parents, who may or may not have had those same conversations with their parents, who may or may not have had those same conversations with their parents. Right. We are dealing with generations of lack of education and you should just know what to do? Right. No, no, you shouldn't just know what to do. Right. But somebody does know what to do. So do not let pride False pride get in the way of seeking assistance because there are people who are anointed to help you. There are people who are anointed to get you out of debt who are going to come with no judgment. And you know what? I tell people, who cares if they do come with judgment? What are they going to do? Are they going to pay your bills? Are they going to write out the checks? No, they're not. I'm sorry. This is how I think. This is how I think. My mom would be like, Rebecca, who cares what people think about you? They're not fixing your life anyway. They can't fix it, and they can't break it, so don't. This is not junior high. We're going to get over what people think about us. Okay? So, so number three, I want to remind you that God is able to redeem the time. I know how wealth is built. It is consistent things over time, but I'm telling you, that's where super comes in. And that's where the supernatural power of God can come in when we start doing things the right way. He can fast forward. He can speed up. He can make things multiply that shouldn't be multiplying in your life. And I'm telling you, he is able to redeem the time. And number four, you need to commit to the process. There is no such thing as a get-rich-quick scheme. Because the worst thing God could do would be to give you money with no management. Right. Right. 
Because however you do whatever you have right now, you do the same thing with more. And if you impulse buy $100 items, you don't know what it's like to be able to impulse buy $50,000 items like it's nothing and fits a drop in the bucket. There are, there are dangerous things that can happen when you have more zeros available to your credit. When you have more zeros available, if, until you've learned the management of the thing. It's why you don't give a vehicle, a big one, to a child. They don't know there's too much power behind there. So we want, to, we want to make sure that we don't do that. But you've got to commit to the process. Because wealth building is not magic. It is basic math repeated over and over and over over time. That's all it is. So what I want you to do right now is I want you all to grab a device and write down. And I'm going to ask you, what are your top three financial goals? I want you to write them down. These could be things like, I want to pay for my children's education. I want to buy a house. I want to buy my parents a house. Um, I want to start a scholarship. I want you to write down the top three financial goals that you have. And I want, you to, I want to challenge you to think beyond yourself. Okay, so it's important that we have financial goals because they keep us focused and motivated. But goals without a clear plan will cause people to become frustrated and self-sabotage their own futures. Because it is painful to look at something that you think you're never going to obtain. I think there's a verse that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. It makes you sick when you see something you really are hoping for and you can't have it. But here's something I want to bring up to you because I have learned that when you are able to imagine something, everyone doesn't imagine the same things. The things that you wrote down, I know you might think everybody wants this, but everybody doesn't want what you wrote down. That is unique to you. And here's what I want to remind you of. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above, because God just has to be extra, extra, not just above what you want or abundantly above, but exceedingly abundantly above. All that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Ephesians 3.20. I didn't say that. He said he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. You would not even have the capacity to imagine the things that you wrote down if it was not available to you. You can't imagine something if it's not available to you. I want you to catch that. So if you wrote it down, that thing is available to you. Even if you're the first one in your entire generation that's ever going to make that, that thing happen. If you imagined it, it is available. And I think there's a verse that Jesus said, and if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, don't you know how much more the Father, who is a good Father, is able to give the things that we ask when we ask Him? So I want to encourage you. There's a reason you both wrote those things down, because I want those things to stay in front of you. Because those things came from God. 
Everyone doesn't want the same things. Everyone doesn't have the same desires, but if you imagined it, it's available to you. But I wanna say there's a right way to do things. We have to get things involved, and I'm gonna tell you the first thing we have to do is we have to put God first in your finances. So before we even talk about the practical side, we have to talk about the practical application of God stuff. So in the garden, God said, Adam, this is my tree. You get all these other trees over here, but this one right here is mine. I get this one, I get this one. And that was Adam, and Adam, um, Adam didn't pass that test. But we're still there. God says, here's 100% of everything you have, but guess what, this one right here, this 10% right here, this is mine. It's called the tithe. It's still his. I, I grew up in church. Um, my dad was his pastor, and I remember reading about Abraham. And you know what's really interesting if you reread the book of Genesis? You know, in Genesis 14, that's when Abraham goes to rescue Lot, and that's when he meets Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and that's when he gives him a tithe of everything. And you know, the very next chapter is when God actually sets up the covenant with him. It was after the tithe. It wasn't before the tithe. I think, that's an, I think there's a reason for that. That God was like, oh, I re now I really know that you trust me because you just gave me a tenth of everything. And you just told that other king over there, no, I don't want anything you have because I have already lifted up my hands to say that nobody's going to be able to say anyone other than God is going to make me rich. But I'm telling you, there is no way to build true financial success if you are withholding that 10% that is only God's. He explains so well how he said it is a protection. He goes, I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. I will... I will keep things that you don't even know are around you, are happening. I, I, so when pastor was talking about how he had that piece of paper that his, his elder or pastor wrote for him to say that you're my number one tither, I was like, God, I want to remind you, I'm your number one tither too. Because I can't remember when I wasn't doing it. That's not something on me, that's something on you, God, that you put this in me to say, I can't remember a time in my life when I wasn't tithing. But I also can tell you that there are things that... I don't know what's been kept off of my life because of my tithe. I don't know. I don't know accidents that I missed. I don't know. I don't know dangerous situations that I never put in. I don't know what bad relationships I just completely bypassed because God said, nope, this one's mine. I'm not even going to let you see her because I don't want you messing with what I have for her life. And I'm telling you, when it comes to the tithe, Dr. Monroe said that the tithe is like the kingdom taxation system. And if you don't pay the taxes in the United States of America and you avoid them long enough, they will do one of two things. They will either garnish your paychecks, which is they don't even give you the option. They go straight to your employer and say, you know what? She doesn't want this money. She has decided that we are now the beneficiaries of her paycheck for this much time. Or they put you in jail. And you know what? There are some people who are in spiritual prison right now. And things aren't working out. And it's like everywhere you turn, you, you keep running into closed doors. And I'm telling you, the tithe is a door opener. The tithe is a protector on your finances. You don't, you don't realize what it does until it's missing. 
It's bigger than an insurance claim, but it is important. And God wants to make sure that we understand. Um, the world says, put your money where your mouth is. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I loved how Pastor Derek Rains was saying, really? You trust me? Okay. Hand it over. Because it's really easy to say, God, I love you without a checkbook. But we say our love by our works. James said faith without works is dead. So I'm telling you, tithe, tithes, um, if you have never, never tithed or you've stopped being consistent, I challenge you to start. You don't need to try to play catch up. God already knows. He already knows. And he says, every day my mercies are made new towards you. So if you, have, if you need to restart, I challenge you to restart. And because of the way that we have put our money together, I'm going to help. I'm going to try to help you figure out some ways to make some stuff work around. This is number one. So when we have our monthly budget and we have income, 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 first thing on there, tithe. Nobody else gets paid until this one happens. I, I, like, I like how Dave Ramsey used to say when he was in debt and he'd be like, when can I get paid? Well, you're below the line. Right now, there's not enough money to come, but God always comes above the line. God always comes above the line. The next thing is offerings. Now, that is something that is totally between you and God. But I don't know about you, but I heard somebody say one time that you can never outgive God and that he would never owe you money, like that he would never put, be put into a position where he owes you something. So I was like, really? I'm going to put you in a position to never have to owe me something then because I'm going to keep trying to give to you. So we made it part of our practice that we, we, when we tithe, it's just part of our practice. We have already picked a percentage, and then every year it's our challenge to ourselves. We're going to bump that up. Like every year, like I do my 401K, I'm just going to raise it. Like, God, I raise you. We're playing poker. I'm going to raise you, God. I raised you 500. And then God's going to come back at me and say, really, 500? I got you at 1,000 because that's what happens when you give to God. And the next thing is first fruits. So we're get, that's the series we're in. And some people look at first fruits a certain way. I've, I've read that whole section about first fruits. And in the Bible, first fruits it is not optional. Right. It's actually not. He specifically said, whatever happens first is mine. The first to come out of the womb is mine. The first of cattle is mine. He told the, told the Israelites the first city is mine. You don't get Jericho. That's why they got in trouble. Because somebody tried to keep part of what was God's. And I'm telling you, if you can never outgive God, and he's the one who gave you the power to get it anyway, and he's your father who loves you, and he's asking you, will you just give me this one thing? Don't you know he's got like 16 behind his back that he's just waiting to see if you'll trade him? Right. If we, being evil, give good things to our kids, how much more? For everything we give to God isn't because God needs anything from us. He has so much that the stuff that we wear as little bitty rings and trinkets, he decided he wanted all of his streets to be paved of pure gold. He doesn't need anything from you. But what we need from him is proof to ourselves that no money, you don't have me. No matter how much comes in my pocket, I can't let this, what God has meant to be a tool, I can't let it have something on me. Because I can't let 
whoever's paying me think, well, I'm the one that takes care of you. No, 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 no. God is the one who takes care of me. So when we give our first fruits, and I love how Josh shared that, that every time we give, because we started this in 2007, I think it was. It was after an Acquire the Fire, we came back and we did our first one. And so we gave this much. And then the next time, and it's not even about the amount, but it's that they keep building up. And then we gave another one and it built on that. And then we gave another one and it built on that. And it, first fruits are so powerful that the Bible says that Abel's first fruit is still speaking. And he's not even alive anymore. His offering is still saying something to God. So when we give, we're putting something in the ground that is carrying so much weight that we don't even understand what it is we're doing. But I'm telling you, the only way to build your finances is you have to start with God. You have to start with God. You have to. So the next thing that we do when it comes to, we get that stuff done, is we have to work on um, managing the rest of it. So that's where the fun comes in, is our everyday choices. Because someone once told me this, it's not how much you make. It's how much you manage. I had the opportunity at one company that I got to be the person that talked to people about their 401k plans when they were getting ready to retire. And I talked to an employee who made um, approximately 40 to 50-ish thousand dollars a year over the course of his entire lifetime. And we're talking on the phone and he's asking because he's ready to retire, he's 55, or he's turned 60, that's right. And um, I said, can I, I said, I don't usually get the chance to say this to people, but can I tell you I want to be you when I grow up? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, um, I can tell you worked hard. And he was like, oh, you mean you saw the balance on my 401k plan? And I was like, I mean, I knew doctors who didn't have this much money. I think he had a million and a half dollars in there at that level. And he, I said, how did you, can I ask you a question? Because I'm only 30 something. I really want to know how I can be just like you when I grow up. So can I, can I ask you? And he was like, you just live on less than you make. You put away a consistent amount every time. You start where you can and you just keep doing it. That's good. That's good. So it's not about how much you make because I knew doctors who were in more trouble than that. And they made multiplied amounts of that. It's not about how much you make. It's about how you manage. You don't seek money, you seek management. Because money comes with management. People who have success in money have learned management. Last week, Elder Thomas said, money isn't magic. It's math. It's basic math. There are no special formulas or equations that work for some people that won't work for you. The question is, are we going to consistently make good management decisions? I said this earlier. We cannot just tithe and then wonder where the blessing is. God's going to be like, oh, good, you gave me 10%. What did you do with the other 90? Oh, you cared about that? Would you give somebody a raise if they only managed 10% of what, they, what you gave them? You only know where 10% of what I gave you went. You want me to give you more money to lose? I remember God, I'm sorry, this is what God asked me. Rebecca, you want me to give you more money to lose? More money to eat? More money to entertain yourself? More money to mismanage? I'm not going to do that. 
And I love you so much that I'm not going to do that. I love you enough to tell you no right now. I love you enough to tell you you need to learn a lesson right now. Because the first time we did our budget, we laughed when we got married. I was like, honey, this is a great month. He goes, why? I said, we have 25 extra dollars at the end of the month. 25 extra dollars. There was no savings plan. There was no retirement plan. I was like, what are we going to do with 25 bucks? How are we going to change the world on $25? You got to start small. You got to start small. So back to those big three things that you wrote down. The first question that I'm going to ask about your plans is, we'll get to this. I'm sorry. We'll get to that in a second. Your current financial situation is based on decisions that you have made consistently over the past five to 10 years. Younger you put current you in the position you're in right now. Now, how many of you wish you could time travel? <laughs> and be like, Rebecca, circa 1999, what are you doing? You wish you could just go back in time and be like, let's rephrase this. But remember, we said that God can redeem time. And the good news is you can time travel because current you right now is future you's younger version. So, so Jason 2019 is Jason 2024's younger version. And the you sitting in the chair right now can slam the brakes on irresponsible spending can slam the brakes on bad management or poor management or less than good management and can make changes to say, you know what? I don't want to be looking back at my pictures of my old self wishing I could come back and be like, why did you do this? But I want to look back on myself with like, I'm so glad I listened. I don't want regret. And the worst person to have regret about is yourself. Because you got to look at yourself every day in the mirror. And you don't want to be looking at yourself every day like, why did you do something so stupid? Let's stop those foolish let's stop those foolish decisions right where they are. We cannot undo where we've been, but we can change where we're going. And because God can redeem the time, He can make something happen. So the best thing to do, and is sometimes the thing people don't want to do, and that's the B word. We have to budget. And when most people think of, you know, how they manage money, they think to themselves, you know, I know what it was. It was that one time that I bought that one car. That's why I'm here. One time I didn't take that job and I could have made an extra 50 cents an hour and I didn't do it. And that one job made all this. No, 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 no. Song of Solomon 2.15 says it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. It's not big financial decisions for most people. It's not, most people don't have those, it's not those moments, it's the little ones. So when it comes to budgeting, because this is an important thing, you, somebody has a plan for your money. Somebody does. A lot of somebody's actually do. Their names are Apple Pay. Um, their names are Target. Oh, Netflix. I'm telling you, the, the Target clearance Isles is a danger zone that I just avoid. Um, American Express has a plan for your money. Visa has a plan for your money. All these people have plans for your money. The question is, do you? Do you have a plan? And on your plan, 
Did those top three things that you said you wanted, did they make it on the plan? Because they need to be on your plan. If you really want them and you can imagine them, then you've got to somehow find a way to get them on your plan. When you budget, you are being intentional and telling money where to go instead of going to the end of the month and wondering, where did it go? There was X amount of dollars and now it's gone. And I don't have anything to prove where it went except some little bitty receipts, if we even got those. So if you say you want to pay for your children's education, did it make it in your budget? If you say you want to buy a house, did it make it in your budget? If you wanted to go on vacation, did you save it in your budget? Because James said that faith without works is dead. And a lot of people will say things like, well, I don't have room for it, and I agree. And there's a brand new couple here, and I'm so glad that you guys have not yet gotten married, because I'm telling you, if you can take down as many notes as you can, you have every opportunity of wisdom that all of us who have been in this thing for years do not have. You can start this thing out right. You can absolutely start this thing so that when you get married, you don't get married in a mess. You don't get married and you spend so much money on a party that nobody's going to care about the day after except for you who got stuck with the bill for the party. I'm just telling you, it is one day. The most important part of your marriage is the marriage, not the party. But I'm telling you, if you guys... I, I, I'm looking at you and I'm just like, man, if I could just go back to Rebecca and Kylan back then, but I can't. So I'm going to look at Anthony and Tyra and say, please take notes, listen, start this thing out right, because you have the opportunity to basically create a brand new budget, which most of us don't have the ability to do, but we're going to talk about how we can change ours. So the first thing we have to do when it comes to the budget is, I don't have room for it. I know, because you've got a lot of things in there that you didn't even invite. We're going to talk about those things you didn't even invite because most of us built our budgets the wrong way. We put things we wanted in there before we put things we needed. What? Who needs OPPD? <laughs> I wanted to go to the movie six times this month. What? The kids need clothes again? I bought them last year. You're hungry again? I bought food last week. But if you don't think about these things, you will end up spending money and you will come to the end of a week, a month, a year, your life and be like, I got nothing. And you do not want to be that person because they brought up to us that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And I'm not leaving. My inheritance is not a bunch of purses, a bunch of shoes, a bunch of clothes, a computer, 17 TVs, and a whole bunch of stuff that at the time when I'm dying, they got to sell everything paid for my funeral. We are not doing that in this family. That is not how we're going to leave this family. We're going to leave this family with real estate. We're going to leave this family with real finances because we've learned how to put this thing together. So let's talk about what we need to do. If you've never done the budget, I'm going to give you a challenge. I challenge you to go to your bank statement and read the last two months and maybe even highlight and color code how each of those items were spent. And if you have not been balancing your checkbook, this would be a really good time. And reading it to be like, oh yeah, that looks good. That is not how you balance your checkbook. 
That's not how you balance your checkbook. Like you need to be completely aware of everything that's going in and out of your checking account. There should be no surprise. I didn't know there was any money. What do you mean you didn't know? You're the only one that gave anybody access to this account. You should know what's happening. But I'm telling you, this is what, people, this is what happens. You have got to learn to make savings a bill that you pay. You pay American Express on time, you pay your rent on time, and you don't pay yourself on time. And, I'm, and so we're talking about that. So back to the whole $25 extra that we had every, every month, I was like, well, I guess that's what we're paying ourselves. We get 25 bucks this month. Woohoo, go us. It's in the positive. You have to start where you are. Do not fall into the all or nothing trap. There are a lot of people who hear things like, you need to save 15% for retirement. You need to save 5% for your kid's education. You need to do this, you need to do that. And they're like, I can't do any of that. So I'm not gonna do any of that. But that's not how you get ahead. So every year, even if all you can do right now is be like, you know what? I can do 1% to my 401k. If that's where you are, that's what you do. If $25 a month is all you can save, you make it a habit. You put your name, so you, you, your income, God's money, your money. So you get to go all the way above everybody else's on the list. But you need to make it a priority. Because if you don't make it a priority, um, there's, uh, I checked, there's nobody else that makes that a priority. Nobody else is going to make that a priority. And if you don't learn to first take care of yourself as a priority, how can you prioritize their grandchildren? Because there's an order for how this goes. So you have to start where you are. You have to practice discipline. Do not fall into the treatment trap. A lot of us grew up not getting everything we wanted. And how many of you know the first time you got a real job, you were like, I'm going out and buying myself a pair of shoes because I can. Because when I was six, I really wanted a doll. And nobody bought it for me because we didn't have any money. And so we start justifying, like, well, you know, growing up, I didn't get any of this, so now I'm going to do this for myself. And the next thing you know, we're, again, blowing our budget, treating ourselves on, on things that are bringing no real value to our lives, our liabilities. They bring no benefit to our lives. You need to learn to tell yourself no. Whenever we get ready to make a purchase, one of the things that comes to our mind that we usually do is we ask ourselves, if I say yes to this, what am I going to have to say no to later on? Because there's only so much money. So if I give you this, what on my list is going to have to go? Because something has to go. And if nothing has to go, then you're using credit. And that's even worse because now we're definitely spending more than we make. And we don't want to get into that trap of spending for things we don't need. So you need to learn to tell yourself no. We used to go to the store and just look, and just walk around the mall, walk around Nebraska Furniture Mart, and be like, oh, one day we're gonna have a nice couch like that. One day we're gonna have this. One day we're gonna have this. And then one day came where we could have this. We walked around, and he's like, what do you wanna buy? I said, no, I think we need to practice no. Be like, we can buy this couch. No, I really don't wanna hand over that money right now. And we just kept practicing, like, no, we can wait. We can wait, we can wait, we're not gonna die, this isn't a need, this is, we need to learn to practice telling ourselves no, because I'm not leaving my kids a bunch of furniture. I'm not leaving my kids a bunch of clothes. They don't want my clothes. But I'm, you're laughing, but I am telling you, I have seen people that when it comes to the end of their life, all they have to show. 
are things that nobody wants. I am not going to be that person. So I want to talk to people who say, if you need to find more money in your budget, we're going to talk about some of these fun ones. If you need to find help finding money, because some people would say, well, you know, I know I need to tithe, and I need to make room for that. I know I need to save, I need to make room for that. Let's talk about how we can find money in our budgets. Housing, how you choose where you live. So when we got married, we found the least expensive apartment in a nice area. It was a one bedroom, 700 something square foot apartment that gave us no room to buy stuff because there were no closets to put stuff in. <laughs> so we were kept from buying a lot of stuff because we had nowhere to put it. But it was intentionally like low and kind of like, well, well, don't you want a walk-in closet? No, I, I'm not gonna be able to buy a house with a walk-in closet right away. Now I'm gonna be setting myself up for a trap. So that's the danger is we move into these places that give us the pretense and the look like we have money, but we really, it's not ours. So we were like, no, we're going to pick a decent apartment. This is not even ours. I'm not giving them more money than I have to give them. Because one day I'm going to leave these people, and they're not going to let me take that room with me. I can paint it. I can make it look beautiful, but I don't get to take it with me. So I'm not doing that. Then when it came to buying houses, we would go to a broker, and they'd be like, oh, you can afford this much money. I said, yeah, that's funny. No, we're not doing that. We're not spending how much money you think, because you don't know what I do, because you don't know the... In my mind, 10 to 15% of that money is already not mine. It's God's. I've already decided. You, no, that's already taken out, so that can't happen. But then I also want to go on vacation. I don't want to be just living in a house and looking at each other because we all bought such a big house that we can't afford to do anything. What are you doing tonight? You're Netflixing all the time because you don't have any money to do anything else because you bought too much house. I don't want to do that. So when we bought a house, we said, how much can we afford on Kylan's income only? only. So just his income. Because what if when we had kids, I didn't want to work. I did not want to lock us into a horrible financial position where it was like, I hate this house because we bought it because it needed both of us. So that's how we approached housing was from a, what do we need? What can we get? Because you know what? You can always move up in house. It's easier to move up than it is to move down. I'm telling you, it's, it's, you can always move up. You can always find a deal. So do not get to, especially apartments, please do not, unless you own the building, do not be trying to look for the best apartment that costs $900 to $1,000 a month, unless you plan on living there a long time. But get ready. Like you saw the numbers that, Kevin, that Elder Thomas showed us last week about how much money you're giving somebody else for their property. The next place you need to look to find money is in your food budget. I am telling you, without looking at anyone's budget, I can already tell you that most people spend more than the tithe on their food. You spend more than what God's asking for just on eating because we don't want to plan. So I don't want to cook. So that means I have to go out. And I don't know if you looked at the price tags lately, but there is no meals under $5. And I'm sorry, the dollar menu only has so many items on it before you're just like, I don't want a dollar menu anymore. I don't want to go to QT and get, a, get two hot dogs. I don't want to go to the Costco. I don't want to go to Costco food court and get a slice of pizza all the time. So I'm telling you, your food budget, <laughs> that might be the boy's favorite place to eat is the Costco food court. But I will tell you, when it comes to finding places, your food budget 
if you will put together a plan and you will learn to cook because there's this beautiful thing called a computer that has this thing called YouTube websites where, where cooks actually show you how to cook. You know, because back in my day, you had to read this old black and white cookbook that had no pictures, so you hoped it turned out well, but you didn't know if it was going to work. You need to learn how to cook. You need to find some recipes, find ways to save money, and put your food on a budget. And one thing I would challenge you to do that might be tough, but I think it would be helpful, decide the amount you're going to spend on food and only pay cash for your food. Amen. Do not pull your debit or credit card out for food because... I guarantee you that's eating your savings without even knowing that. Next place you need to look for, your entertainment. Cable TV. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. You, you do not need cable to live. You don't. You might need to look at some different options. We got rid of cable TV a while ago. Your insurance, I'm not saying get rid of insurance. Do not get rid of your insurance because you need life insurance, you need renter's insurance and homeowner's insurance. But if you get a broker who doesn't work for a company, they get paid to find you a better deal and you don't pay them the insurance company that you purchase from pays them. So you can save money every year on that. Personal care. There was a two year period where Kylan cut his own hair and taught me how to line him up. I do not do fades, but I can do a very nice line. <laughs> I can do a very nice line because we were like, you know what? We don't want to give $20 every week up. That's $100 a month. That's $1,200 a year. And while we're talking about hair, I was like, honey, I don't, because I was like, well, I'll cut mine back. He's like, wait, no, wait. I don't want you to not fix your hair. How? I said, well, okay, what if I go every six weeks instead of every four? And he was like, okay. We could do that, but for a while, we did things we needed to do. Transportation. There's this thing called the city bus. It is not beneath your dignity to take the city bus. It is, it is, if you are looking for ways to save money, I'm telling you, there are ways to do it if you're willing to make the sacrifices to make that happen. Your cell phone or your home phone is not a price. I mean, nobody knew where we were 30 years ago. That's... <laughs> If you are over 30 years old, nobody knew where you were 30 years ago at all times. It is not a necessity. It is a, it is a benefit. It is a common thing. But I'm telling you, when I was in college and things were getting tight, I turned my phone off. And I used this fancy thing called a pay phone or a home phone. And because, my, because my money couldn't handle that bill. And I was like, I'm not putting myself in bad positions because I need a cell phone. No, you don't. You need to be able to eat. You need to be able to live somewhere. You need to be able to get to work. You need to be able to drive a car, but you don't need, or get to however your transportation is, but you don't need a cell phone. Um, name brand accessories. Um, I, really, I really liked what Pastor Derek was saying when he said, you know, be careful that you're not wearing the look of money. But you don't really have any. Because it's, it's nice. I'm not saying don't buy nice clothes. Don't buy nice purses. Don't buy nice things. I'm not saying that. I have nice things. But there's a plan for the nice things. And the plan isn't every week for the nice things. Right. Until your money gets to that point. But again, money is just a tool. It's a tool to build things. And those three things that you wrote down that you said you wanted probably had nothing to do with name brand accessories. They probably are about somebody other than you. And sometimes... 
It takes, Rebecca's saying, I really would like that purse, but you know what? I want my kids to go to college a little bit more than that. So, you know, I can wait. I can save for that. I can put away a little bit every month to get that in my budget later on, but I don't need that all right now. And another place, if you want to learn to save some money, you know, if you don't balance your checkbook, um, they do these things called fees. Americans spent over $34 billion in NSF fees in 2017. $35 every time you didn't do basic addition and subtraction. And you know the saddest part about this? It was probably over like a $2.50 item. It was a coffee. It was one of those things we're talking about. It was one of those little bitty things. So I'm telling you, when you don't manage, you don't even know what you're missing. And if you, if you aren't making enough, I want to encourage you to seek additional streams of income. There are, you have a gift for a reason. And we were doing our taxes the other day and because we all have had to outsource them because we just have other things we do. And I was like, I can't remember the last time we just had our jobs. Like we've always had something on the side, like whether it was Kylan playing drums or me editing books, there was always something we found to do that brought money into our, so it was never like, oh, we're just relying on this. We found other things, not that we were seeking it, but it was like, hey, this is a gift. I have someone will pay me money to do it. Sure, I'll do that. So I'm saying if things are getting tight, you need to consider there's other ways to bring in some cash. If, if your numbers really truly aren't meshing, if they're not coming together and equaling a black number, meaning there's not, you're not in the red, you're not in the negative, you're in the positive, you need to consider getting some additional streams of income. But your increase is based on your management. Because when you prove, this is, this is the prayer we used to pray. Um, I would bring my budget to God because it was sad. It was very sad when we first got married. It'd be like, here God, here, there's not a lot of money right here. There wasn't a lot of money coming in. It felt like a lot going out because it was most of it. And there was very little left over. But I was like, God, if you show me how to manage this, you can trust me with more. I will do my best to be a good manager. And so every month I would bring my written budget and be like, I'd pray over it. I'm like, God, if you would just teach me how to manage better, I will do better with this. And we just kept praying that over our prayer, over our prayer. And every time we'd pray, we'd be like, God, I thank you that we always have more than enough. I thank you that we always have all of our needs met. I thank you that whenever we see a problem, I thank you that we have enough to give to the things that, get, the things that, that touch our hearts. And every time I would pray that prayer, I kept praying that. And then one day, God stopped me because we got a little bit of increase. And God was like, you aren't praying that prayer anymore. Why did you stop? You can't, you don't stop. You don't stop using your faith when you get a little bit of something. Because remember, your God has a lot of everything. And he's still interested in giving more because money is a tool to build something. He needs the right tools in the hands of people with the right motives. In the hands of people who love people. In the hands of people who will do things for the world and not just for themselves and not just for the people who live in my own house. I'm not just thinking about them, but I'm thinking about other people. And the final way that you help yourself is you continually seek wisdom. Every time somebody, somebody with, every time somebody like 
a Dave Ramsey, a pastor brought in, Pastor Dr. Anderson came in town. We had Carol Hunter that came in town. We had um, Nasser Siddiqui years ago. We had the Reigns who were here. Every time there's an opportunity for you to learn to be a better manager in your finances and you elect not to participate, you're saying something. But when you see opportunities and you elect to participate, you're also saying something. And when you do that, you're telling God, I'm serious about this. God, I'm serious about being a good steward. I'm serious about being somebody that you can trust to give more because I'm not going to mismanage what you give me. I'm serious about doing better with what you have for me because I'm not going to let you down. I might have done some interesting things back in my time, but I'm done doing interesting things when it comes to money. I'm ready to be a good steward of what you have for me. And I'm telling you, when you combine practically doing that budget, practically looking at ways, practically telling yourself, you know what, I can wait a minute. I don't, I don't need this right now. I don't need all this right now. We can make a plan for that. I'm not saying no. Maybe I'm saying later. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not no. Maybe it's just not now. But we say we're going to work what we need in here first. And what we need is, number one, the tithe, the offerings, and the first fruit to go in first. And then we work to get our families taken care of that need to be taken care of. And then we work in other things. But I'm telling you, if we keep doing that and we add in faith, man, what was David's tithe when they built the temple? He tithed more than some country's gross domestic product because he just trusted God so much. And he wants and needs examples in this world of what he wanted in the first place. But Jesus isn't coming back here to be that example. So he expects you to be that example. He expects me to be that example, to say, you know what? I don't have to go back there. I got her. She'll take care of this. I can, I can do this because the Bible does say in that whole section that the wealth of the wicked is being stored up for the righteous. But God's not going to hand it over to righteous bad managers. He's going to transfer that over to people he can trust. So we have to endeavor to become people that he can trust with money. Amen. 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 Amen.